worship God. If you do, it's the way you can take notes and keep up with the message. So we'll get to you as your hands are up. There's several guys with uh, those bulletins, so they should get you covered pretty quickly. Hey, listen, it is anniversary year. We're celebrating it all year, and we're trying to go back in time each week, and or something like that. We do different things, but this week, we're going to look at 1999. So this was the year before the world ended. Oh, no, sorry, that didn't happen. Okay, and uh, so <laughs> 1999, I think we made it through 2000 and all of the predictions, but anyway... A couple of funny pictures. This one is one of me with some bus kids when I was 35 years old. And I, I look at myself and I think, you know, just turning 52, you know, I, I don't look much different. Not much. Humor me a little bit, you know. I mean, anyway, uh, I love that picture. This one is interesting. Now, this was not 1999, but I couldn't resist it. I could not resist it. Someone found this and gave it to me and said, Preacher, this is a picture. One of these kids that was naughty is my son, Mo. Your youth pastor is up against the wall. I believe it was Lisa, Lisa Perriman was his teacher. She said, put your nose up against that wall. So there are, that's the few, that's why they're still in church. Yes. So there's another method to parenting that we discussed a few weeks ago. All right. And then there's a Dr. Tom Williams. He would preach at our church and had a lot of influence in my life, especially when it comes to things like prayer and even my schedule. He was the guy that said, you're going to lose your family if you don't spend more time with them. So he was a real big influence in my life. And there he is holding my boys. And then David Digna joined our church in 99. So we try to find at least one family that joined that year if we can. And we nailed it on David Digna. What's cool about that is Victoria, the, the one right above Dave's Head there. Victoria is now married. I married them here in Hot Springs. She now lives in Virginia with her husband. Isn't that cool? Michaela at the bottom right is graduating from high school this year. So time truly flies when you're having fun. Amen? And we're having fun. And then there is a track. Now, this wasn't, I, I, did, I do think this track we gave out in 1999. I hope we did. And, uh, hint, hint. Anyway, and, uh, you guys can laugh if you want. That was kind of funny. I mean, you know. But anyway, uh, actually, the 9 o'clock church laughed at that one. So I'm wondering, you know. Anyway, 1999, and we, 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 we got creative. In the early days of our church, we, we were stepping, honestly, believe it or not, I know this is going to sound really crazy to some of you youngers, young ones, but this was like creative back in 99. I mean, to do a four-color track that didn't say God's simple plan of salvation was like almost, what are you doing? What are you doing, you know? Why are you trying to make the gospel look good, you know? <laughs> because it is good. It's good news. Amen. And so in the early days of our church, we began to get some people like Chomp the Chim here who said, Preacher, can we kind of do some fun stuff? And so here's another track we did on our seven-year anniversary. There's Joe sticking his finger in the cake. Still guilty of that these days. And uh, happy seventh birthday. So 1999 would have been our seventh-year anniversary. This is our 25th. And then here is what I, my wife and I, what we looked like in 99. That was our family picture. And then here's the boys and the wife. So just four of us in 1999 and a happy anniversary. Mark chapter 2. You know, someone has said, and I, I, I heard this statement years ago. And it, it's one of those statements that when you hear it, it almost becomes scripture. It's not scripture. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be blasphemous here. 
But it is a statement that sounds so correct. And it is so powerful. And it's so true. That it's a statement that can be said in Scripture differently. But I, I, I just like the way this sounds. So I've quoted this a thousand times. That people don't care how much we know. Until they know how much we care. Now the story we are going to read today is that. That statement is this story. There is no greater illustration of that than this. Mark 2, verse 1. And after he entered into Capernaum. Now, for just a moment, let me tell you about Capernaum because what I'm hoping you'll do with me is you'll put yourself right in the middle of this story, just like I have. I mean, you'll see yourself in a little town, a small little fisherman's town. That's what this was. In fact, I've got friends that have gone uh, over to Israel and they say one of, their, their great, one of the greatest attractions of that region of the world on their trip to, to Israel was when they went to the little town of Capernaum. It's still there. And it's still a little fisherman's town. It's on the north end of the, or the north part of the Sea of Galilee. Wow, what a beautiful place that must be, right? And so here's where they are in this little town. And the Bible says here that after some days, it was noised that he was in the house. I like that. Kind of sounds hip, doesn't it? Jesus is in the house. You see, Scripture's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, we say that today, we think, oh, you know, that's a little bit, you know, what's he trying to do, be cool? Yeah, Jesus is cool. <laughs> and, and he is in the house. And he was in the house then, and he's in the house now. Amen. So, he's in the house here. And straightway were many gathered together. Now, I don't know how many there were, but there was a lot of folks. Because it was so many that there was no room to receive him. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Jesus was a preacher. I'm a preacher. I like, I'm glad God called me to preach. And that verse inspires me because Jesus preached the word. He preached the word to a house full of people. I mean, this place is packed. And the Bible says they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born, old English word for carried, by four people. And when they could not come nigh unto the house for the press, another old word, not the news. This was not like CNN and Fox News. This was just the crowd. It was the crowd. That they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed, the bed. I mean, that's a pretty big piece of furniture. They let it down into the house. The sick of the palsy came down into the house. And when they saw their faith, and when Jesus, rather, saw their faith, he says to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But. Oh, always got to be a but in every story. Literally, a but in every story. In this story, the buts were the scribes and the Pharisees. They're always buts. Religious people are butts. They really are. Excuse me. I know that's not proper. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. 
And here's what they were reasoning about. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? Well, they had it right because Jesus is God. They had it right. And immediately, when Jesus, who is God, perceived in his spirit. I love that. That they had reasoned within themselves. He said, why reason ye these things in your heart? Let me just stop here and remind everybody, including myself, that Jesus knows your heart. Sometimes we know how to put religion on, don't we? Hi, how are you doing? Hi. And we really, but in our hearts, we're angry, we're jealous, we're bitter. And, and, and we try to put on that face as a religious person because religious people have to look really good and like we got it all together. But here Jesus knew their hearts. And Jesus said, why reason you these things? Verse 9, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk? In other words, he says, whatever, whatever. The real issue is, verse 10, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. So I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. So real quick, real quick review, real quick. Here is a little town, right? It's called Capernaum. This house is jammed full of people everywhere, according to the story, because Jesus was in the house preaching and teaching and it was packed out people looking in the windows standing at the door standing around the house crowded all around the house now what would this house have been like very significant that we know that this house would have been made of stone the walls would have been made of stone but the roof was different much different than a roof like this in fact, the roof would have been made of palm branches laid over one another with mud and sand to keep that together and maybe tile on top of those palm branches. So just see the scene with me. There's a Sea of Galilee. There's a little town of Capernaum. There's a, there's a house here. There is crowds gathered around the house. Jesus is on the inside teaching and preaching. The house is filled with excitement because Jesus is there. And I want to stop here and say this, not about the sermon, but just as a, a little extra, that I believe that worship services ought to be exciting. We ought to come to church with an expectancy that God is there and I can't wait to get there. I've always been one, and two or three things I say here today are not to be critical, I'm not upset, it's just to share my heart. I've never understood how people are late to church. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if there's anything you ought to be early to, is when Jesus is there in the house. And worship is going to be there. And the teaching of God's word is going to be there. And we ought to be so excited that we sit on the edge of our seats with expectancy. Amen. That's who I am. I'm excited. I'm not even preaching today with enthusiasm because of my personality. This is really how I feel about this story. This pumps me up. You see, I believe we should pray and long for great crowds. I believe that a house full is a, is, is a good thing. Never put down the idea of great crowds. 
Never do that. When there is a moving of the Spirit of God in Scripture, you'll find there is almost always great crowds. A moving of God. You look to days past, John Wesley. He would preach to upwards 20,000 people. D.L. Moody, back in the day, would preach in in his church in England to 11,000 people every Sunday. Billy Graham, in South Korea, preached to get this, at one time, one million people. It's been said he preached to the largest crowd in the history of evangelism. A million people! Adrian Rogers, my hero, in Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, would preach on an average weekend to 15,000 people that would drive a car to church and sit through four services and hear him preach. In the Bible times, it was that way. The Bible says that all Israel, in the Old Testament, that all Israel went out to hear Elijah preach. The whole country. And when John the Baptist preached, we are... We, are, we understand through Scripture there were great crowds that gathered to hear John the Baptist preach. On the day of Pentecost, we have no idea how many people were actually present. The only thing we know is that 3,000 of the people that were present were saved and baptized the same day. Wow. We need a compassion for the multitudes. And the reason why numbers are important is because they represent precious souls. And so I present to you today this idea of Again, like we used to in the early days, we need to capture our city for Christ. Capture our city for Christ. In the next two Sundays, we're going to be given a great opportunity. You see, these cards are more than just a little piece of paper that, you know, oh yeah, uh, what is that all about? And what's up with the green and the, and the orange? And, and, and what, what are you trying to do, preacher? Why did you print these up? Because it is our responsibility to try to bring everyone to Jesus. And I want to challenge our church today to to leave this building with such a burden to bring somebody for the next two Sundays, April 9th, April the 16th. Why? Because it is the command of God to do that. And I want to share a few thoughts with you about that. So suddenly, back to the story. There's a noise on the ceiling, right? Can you imagine if today, in the service, in this service, all of a sudden, we started hearing massive noise on this roof and large chunks of cement began to fall and crush people as they lay dead in the pews and were yelling John Clowers where's security (laughs) right where are you guys at we all run because it's a terrorist attack right I mean I guarantee you if that ceiling blows up this morning something's wrong it's not people trying to bring people to Jesus but back then it was It was. Here's what it might have sounded like. And all of a sudden, people, what? 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 And debris begins to fall. Not heavy debris. Palm branches, mud, sand begins to fall. And people are like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, a man, a man on a bed. With four men on each corner of the bed. With ropes. Begin to lower him into the crowd. They couldn't get in. So they found another way. The most important thing about this story. Is not that this man was saved or healed physically. But that he was saved spiritually. 
Because Jesus said of this man when he saw that faith, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. The greatest gift that God gives us is not to heal us of our physical ailments, but is to save us from our sins. Knowing that if we died from any disease or any sickness or any palsy, that we'd go to heaven and live forever in a perfect body. Isn't that great? He was saved. This man was saved. Now, what does this have to say to all of us here today about the next couple of Sundays? Well, number one, the first thing it says is this. We are to bring everyone to Jesus Christ. We are to bring everyone to Jesus Christ. These four men did not say, this is not our concern. They didn't say that. They didn't say, you know what, this is none of our business. It was their concern, and it is our business. The Father's business doesn't get any greater than bringing someone to Jesus. And so this morning, we've got to see again. We've got to have a renewed, and I say renewed church because I think there's a reason why we're hearing this this morning. It's not just because, you know, this is, this is a, a, a sermon to fill a Sunday. This is a Holy Spirit-led agenda he is saying to all of us we need to get back to this idea of the value of one soul how important it is that that, that jesus died for the souls of men that he said in his word that what is a profit if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul You see, Jesus would have died for this one man sick of the palsy if he was the only man living on planet Earth. Jesus would have died for you if you were the only person ever to live on planet Earth. He would have died for you. We should never call any man worthless for whom Jesus died. Never. There's nobody that's worthless. Christ gave himself a ransom for all. R.A. Torrey said this, just an old preacher from the 1800s. He made this statement. I would like to know what right a man has to call himself a follower of Jesus Christ if he doesn't bring people to Jesus. What right? What right does anybody have to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't care anything about bringing anybody to him? It doesn't even make sense. If you don't like R.A. Torrey, I'll just throw a Charles Spurgeon quote pretty much everybody acknowledges he was a great man he said this i would sooner bring one sinner to jesus christ than to unpick all the mysteries of the divine word i would sooner bring one sinner you see so many of us are concerned about gaining knowledge that we've forgotten people are dying and going to hell are you listening Amen. What am I saying? I'm saying people don't care how much we know. I see a generation of young people infatuated with knowing God's word but not sharing God's word. I see a generation of young people infatuated by wisdom and knowledge and knowing things. But can I tell you something? That you can know it all, but if you don't put that knowledge into practice and into action, it is in vain. God says here today to all of us, we are to bring all men. There's four categories of people in this story. Do you see them? Well, let me tell you who they are. Number one, the first category would be the the helpless. 
This is the paralyzed man. He was completely helpless. In other words, he couldn't have come unless somebody brought him. We agree? He was, he was, he was crippled in this story. And the only way he could come is if somebody brought him to Jesus. And Hot Springs is paralyzed too. In our city, we have people paralyzed by sin. People paralyzed by prejudice. People paralyzed by ignorance. But they're paralyzed. And they just don't know. And they're searching and they're hungry and they're hopeless. And all around us, we see these helpless people. Steve Green wrote a song years ago talking about uh, people need the Lord. And on they go through, you know, pain in their lives, living fear to fear. They don't know where, where the hope is. They're, they're just killing themselves. They're using, they're, they're going to the bottle. They're, they're going to drugs. They're going to sex and immorality, trying to find why they're so empty. They, they've had it all, tried it all, but they're empty. They're helpless. And they need Jesus. So years ago, we started this thing called the bus ministry. And, you know, yesterday I was in the nursing home doing a service. And one of the ladies came up to me and said, I just want you to know. That every time I drive by your church and see those buses, this was an, a lady about 90 years old. And she said, every time I, I, she said, every time I would drive by your church, I don't get to do it much because I, I'm in the nursing home now. But she said, when I lived in this city, you guys were known. Everybody knew gospel light picks people up and brings them to church. Isn't that great? I'm glad we still do that, by the way. But can I tell you something? There's another ministry. I don't know if you, you're in it. You say, no, I'm not in the bus ministry. No, you're in what's called the car ministry. Oh, yeah, everybody hears of the car ministry. You say, well, I didn't even know that was a ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, if you own a car, it's a ministry you're in. You actually are in it. It's your ministry. You say, what does that have to do? Yeah, a car brings people to church. You say, not mine. Exactly. You see, we don't realize that we all have a responsibility. To use what God has given us materially. It's not ours. It all belongs to God. You got to church today with a gift from God called a car. It's a tool. It's something that allows you to support your family. It's something that allows you to to get around. It's something that allows you to pick people up and bring them to Jesus. I'm simply saying this. And I'm saying it in as many ways as I can say it. There's a lot of helpless people out there, and they need someone this week who cares. Cares enough to say, intentionally, could I give you an invitation? Could I invite you to something incredibly exciting? Number two, not only were there helpless people there, but the second category of people in this story, let's call them the hinderers. The hinderers. These were those just standing around the door actually hindering people from being saved while they listened to Jesus. They're listening to Jesus. you got to know this dude arrives to the house on a bed and somebody taps him, maybe one of the guys on the shoulder, and says, Hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, uh, we got this guy. He's in bad shape. We need to get him inside that house because that dude can help him. Can you, can you? No, I ain't moving, bro. It's my spot. This is my seat. This is my parking spot. I ain't letting you in. I don't care how bad you got it. I'm right here. This is my church, and this is my right, and I... You see, you missed it. 
You see, if you come to church here primarily for yourself, Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners. If you've got salvation, then our number one responsibility is not to soak in our little padded pew. It's not to claim our spot and say, I own this. But rather to say, listen, Jesus, I want to do everything I can not to hinder anybody from coming to church. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what many earrings they got or nose rings or neck rings or eye rings or toe rings. It don't matter. Jesus says, don't hinder. If they're laying on a bed, let them come. It's amazing. I'm not talking about a story I read in some some little book. This is the Bible. It really happened. I think these people were spectators. They were like most church members. Bench warmers. They were really good at coming to church and listening to Jesus. But they're not really good at bringing anybody to him. This is so powerful. It's so good. It's so convicting. But it's so freeing. Because we learn the truth and the truth sets us free. Number three, there were the hellish people. It gets worse, doesn't it? You've got the helpless, you've got the hinderers. Then you've got what we're going to call the hellish people. These were people who actually got upset that this old, vile, wretched sinner actually thought he had any right to come to our church. You know, they were upset. They actually criticized. They were critical of the whole thing. They thought it was a stupid thing and a ridiculous thought. But then finally, there were the helpers. Do you see them in the story? The helpers were the four men who went out and got a man on a stretcher and brought him to Jesus. Can you see it now? Here he is. He's he's on this bed, this stretcher, if you will, and he's laying there. I don't know exactly how that may have looked, but I'm thinking maybe in that day, you know, the guy just wanted to get out of his house. Maybe he was a beggar. Maybe he was somewhere just, just trying to, you know, get some attention. To, I don't know what, what the story, but he was laying there, and, and four guys walk by, and they see him. And so I'm going to give these four guys a name. Let's call the first one. I know their names weren't this, but let's just call the first one Mr. Compassion. Mr. Compassion, you got to have a compassion guy in every church. you got to have several. This is the one, this is my wife, who says, Oh, look at him. Honey, you know, look at that sign. Do you think maybe we should stop and, and get him some food? I mean, you got to have that person. Because sometimes we don't see it. We're, we're, you know, we just see it and say, Hey, we got somewhere to go. You know, oh, come on. Do you have to be so spiritual, honey? Do you really have to be so spiritual? I mean, really? You know? But yet she, she's concerned. Is God telling us to stop and talk to this person? Could it be that God has put that person? And so she's so sensitive and, and she's compassionate. That's what we need. There had to be one of the four guys that said, God, did you see that guy we just walked by? I don't feel good about this. Guys, I don't feel good about this. We call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. And, and I mean, the guy's in, he's in bad shape. I think we should go back. Okay. Compassion. Mr. Compassion, Jesus was this way. When he looked on the multitudes, he was moved with, fill in the blank, compassion. But number two, there was Mr. Confidence. Mr. Confidence, I like this guy. Because this guy believed it could be done. There's so many people that their first response is, but it's difficult. This is going to be hard. Getting a dude on a roof, that's hard. 
Oh man, we can do it. It's going to be great. I know we can. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You know, hey man, we can do it. You got to have a few of those in every crowd. And then you got to have Mr. Courage. Mr. Courage is, I mean, you got to admit, this was a pretty courageous thing they did. They went on top of a roof. I mean, listen, when they painted this wall black, and these decorations, aren't they doing a great job? When they did this, the ladders were up there. I'm thinking, I'm going to hang up there. That don't look too fun to me. I'm, I wouldn't have been Mr. Courageous. But Mr. Courageous was on the roof and said, come on, guys, it's great up here. Woo! <laughs> this is awesome. I love this. Let's risk it all for Jesus. You got to have a few of those in every crowd. You got to have You got to have courageous people, people willing to step up by faith. Oftentimes they're called fanatics. But if you've never been called a freak, a fool, or fanatic, you ain't following Jesus. Everybody needs to be called a freak at least once in their life. At least once. Man, what's up with you, man? You're a Jesus freak? (laughs) Did you just call me a Jesus freak? Yeah. My pastor said that's a good... Thank you! Thank you! Jesus, I'm a freak for you. Who gives a rip? I'm not intentionally trying to be a freak for Jesus, but if that's the way you interpret it, so be it. Courage. And then number four, Mr. Creativity. This was the artsy guy. This is, this is the Jesus Martinez. This is the... You know, the joke of Pacey, the Jordan. These guys are like on the worst. They're creative, man. They're rad. They're cool. They got ideas. You know, they, they, got, they got screens. They got, you know, we're used to one way, but they decorate with wood and pallets and stuff. This is cool, isn't it? You're like, what do we got a pallet up there for? Because this is cool. <laughs> this is really cool. You see, some of us, we, we just, we're just not as creative, or our creativity may be somewhat outdated. I'm not creative. But I know one thing, I like creative people. They make things look really cool. They find ways, they know programs. They're just re- Every crowd needs a few creative people. This guy was the guy that came up with the plan. Guys, here's what I'm thinking. We're going to go up on that roof. I know this is crazy. I know this is weird. But follow my plan. We're going to scale up the roof. When we get there, we're going to do this, 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 and this. He came up with the silly idea. But it worked. It worked. Love finds a way. Number one, we're to bring all people to Jesus. Number two, we are to bring everyone to Jesus any way we can. Any way. Hey, if it's not illegal, immoral, or unbiblical, let's do it. Let's try it. If it ain't illegal, it's not immoral, it's not unbiblical, I've learned this. I've learned this in life. Means can vary. Okay. Methods are many. Principles are few. Methods may change. Principles never do. Do not be guilty of saying there is just one way to do this. I'm not talking about one way to heaven, okay? That's obvious. That's a principle. 
But I am talking about this. There are a lot of ways that God can work. Don't limit God. Well, I believe that God can only use one kind of music, and it's this kind. No. Hey, for the hymn crowd, no. For the contemporary crowd, no. For the classical crowd, no. How do you like that? I just preached against everybody. For those of you that that think you're the only kind of music that works, you're wrong. It all's good. If it brings people to Jesus, means very. Don't ever think there's one kind of way to do it. Well, there's just one Bible that somebody can get saved out of. Just one. That's it. That's it. Everything else, burn. What? What are you, crazy? People can get saved from, from, if there's an ounce of the gospel in anything, a piece of literature, a track, a piece of paper, it doesn't matter. People can get saved. Don't say that. What are you saying? You're limiting God. He can only do it this way? Really? Does it make any sense? We've got to bring people to Jesus any way that we can. Let's just be sure that whatever way it is, that, is, that it's a stretcher that brings people to Jesus. It's a means. It's a way to get people to Jesus. I go to Winter Jam this, this past weekend. Yeah, me, right. I mean, they got every variety of music you can think of. You got some really loud, some medium loud, some not so loud, some sung by like really old people, some sung by really young people. It's crazy. It's just a variety. Some I'm like, oh, I got that. Yeah, I, I can do that. And some I'm like, what are they saying? So they get this kind of a heavy metal Christian band up there, you know, means, the means. And, and so they're singing. And honestly, I'm just up there like, Okay, I really need the words on the screen right now. I'm struggling, you know. I can't hear it, what they're saying. I really don't get it. I mean, I just don't. I mean, I'm not, you know, as far as... But the guy next to me from Lake Hamilton, who's had a ton of issues and no family support, but Jacob Porter brought him with him. And Jacob loved him, and he loves Jacob. And so Jacob from Lake Hamilton brings this young man. It's awesome. So this kid's getting all kinds of help. So the heavy metal group's up there singing about Jesus, but I just can't understand the words, but it's cool. He does. He's up there. He's going, oh, man, he's, he's getting, I'm like, I'm looking at him like, whoa. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, you know, I mean, I kind of started trying it, but I got a headache. He was just fine. He was loving it. The song ends, and by the way, just a little disclaimer, the third song that this group sang, 10,000 Foot Crutch, was awesome. It may have been, I told several people, because they lowered it, took a lot of the noise out, and you could hear all the words. And honestly, I think it was the best song sung that night as far as doctrine's concerned. It was powerful. That's just a little disclaimer that, that it wasn't all loud. And, but the kid looks at me after the first song. He goes, he taps me on the shoulder. Thank you for taking me. This is awesome. I love this, man. I was hurting. I was far away from Jesus. But, man, I just feel like God's working in my life. And I'm like, that's great. That hasn't happened for me yet today. But I'm hoping that maybe somebody else will do that for me too. Now, now, before you do the Pharisee thing, can we just agree that whatever it takes, man. Hey, praise God. The guy's getting help. Don't be James and John that say, Jesus, let's call in fire from heaven and let's burn him up. Let's kill him. That just doesn't look like the way we do it. Jesus says, I really think he might have said on this one, shut up. I think he might have. This is not, they're not our enemies. They're not against us. They're preaching Jesus. It's just a little different than we are. But don't criticize that. 
Amen. I mean, either I'm an idiot or this makes perfectly good sense to me. I mean, this was a different way, but a way to get somebody to Jesus. It may be unusual. It may be different. It may not work for me. It may work for you. But I'm for it. You know, I went to a, uh, years ago, this is back in my, uh, <clears throat> in, in my previous life as a pastor, if you will. And I went to visit the graveside of J. Frank Norris. Now, J. Frank Norris would have been kind of what, I mean, this would have been before some of you old timers. This would have been for like, before like Robertson, Hiles, Roloff, all those catch names. Before all that. I didn't learn this from them. But I appreciate what they did teach me. But before that, there was this really old guy named J. Frank Norris. He was born like in 1860 or something. Well, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, and they tell me that his gravesite is there. So I'm like, hey, let's go. I'm in for some history. So we go to J. Frank Norris's gravesite. Now, this is the old of the old, you know, independent Baptist. So I get there, and I see it's a very impressive grave. I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm walking closer. It's a huge kind of a headstone. And I'm like, man, this is, this is going to be cool. I get right up to it. And I'll never forget it. It was a good moment, God moment for me. It said what they all say, the name and the years he was born, the year he died, right? It just said one other thing. Big tombstone too. Massive. I mean, it could have said a lot more. But all it said was this. I would do anything to bring one soul to Jesus. That's all it said. I stood there for a half hour, and I read that over and over again, and I kept asking myself, Eric, may that be your prayer, whatever it takes. It's not illegal, not immoral, not unbiblical. Do anything you can to get people to Jesus. It's taken me a while to learn that, but I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Number three, we are all to bring everyone any way we can to Jesus. Emphasis on the word all. Emphasis on the word all. Why? Because I don't want anybody to be excluded. No one. Just in case you're one of those, and, and it's okay to be one of these, but because there are these that say, well, you're talking about like the elders, right? Yeah, I am. Sometimes we get lazy too. We need this hard preaching. Well, that's good, preacher, because I think they should do it. Yeah, that's good. But you're talking about the deacons too, right? Oh, yeah, them lazy deacons. You better believe it. And my boys need to kick in the seat of the pants, get some flowers, and pass them out. Come on, boys, let's get it done. The deacons. Oh, yeah. And the staff. We pay them to do it. They better do it. We'll cut their pay, bless God. The staff too, right? Yeah. The staff too. Well, good. I'm glad we agree, preacher. You left one crowd out. <laughs> the bench warmers. You. The people that sit in the pew. The church. Hey, it don't matter if you've got a degree next to your name, a pastor next to your name. It don't matter if you've got some kind of credential that makes you. No, it's if you've got next to your name, follower of Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you. Everybody. All of us. This week. This week, all of us should be thinking Who can I give this to? Invite my neighbor. 
the guy at Mickey D's, the, the, the lady at the drive-thru, the lady at Walmart, the doctors, the dentists. Who can I invite and just share? You say, yeah, but they, they're already saying, it's okay, just invite them anyway. Pass out a couple of... People may need to come and see and hear about you. Listen, everybody ought to be doing this. Everybody. It's a shame, but every time we print flowers, we throw some away. Why do we throw some away? It's a shame. Usually we get down to the last couple of days and I just grab as many as I can and just go out because I don't want to waste them. But sometimes I'll see, I'll see stacks not even go down. It's like we just, we just walk. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Lonely people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through crowd, uh, through, uh, what's the word? Private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. People need the Lord. The lady at Walmart needs the Lord. The lady at Wendy's needs the Lord. The lady at work needs the Lord. Everybody needs the Lord. Every man needs the Lord. Let's bring everybody to Jesus. We've gotten off track with this, guys. We have. We've gotten off track with this. We've, we've jumped off. We're not doing this like we used to. And, and those of you, I think some of you, know, if you're new to the church, it's like, okay, you're probably excited. Some of you old-timers are like, yeah been a while really since i've done anything like that uh, and see what we want is we want the church to organize it that's the worst way to do it the worst way to do it i believe now i've learned this is to say everybody come tuesday night for one hour and we're going to pass out some of you like that but only 10 showed up because we got stuff going on i'm not mad at you you got stuff going on you're busy you got jobs jesus never said set up a time to do it corporately he said do it Everywhere you go, 24-7, don't limit me to an hour on a certain street. Everywhere. You live in your neighborhood, not because it was a good deal, because God planned it that way. God puts you right where you are so you can be a witness. We're, to bring, we're all to bring everyone to Jesus. In fact, if I had time this morning... I promise you, I could take everyone in this room who's saved and I could show you that it's not just one person, it was a team effort that brought you to Jesus. Starting with somebody who gave. You see, every soul that gets saved in Singapore, get this, every time you give the missions, we have a part. They're not even going to meet us. They're not going to know us. But we had a part. The bus driver that picks up a kid to church, he just drives the bus. That's all he does. He doesn't teach it necessarily. He doesn't preach it. He's not really participating in the... But, but how could they get here without a bus driver? Everybody. It's a team effort. Number four, and I'm done. We are all to bring everyone any way we can at all cost to Jesus. At all cost. At all cost. There is no way to spare expense. No way. If we're going to reach this city for Christ, if we're going to reach one more soul for Christ, it's going to take cost. It's going to, ta- it's going to cost us something. It's going to take money. It's going to take time. It's going to take skipping a meal. It's going to take rearranging our priorities. It's going to, t- it's going to cost us something. You know, I don't know what we're thinking, but... Listen, we've got to be obedient in our giving. Let's just talk about that for just 30 seconds. If we're not obedient, we're throwing people into hell. Honestly, 
It takes money to win people to Jesus. There is no cheap way to do this. We keep cutting and cutting and cutting. All we do is cut into the gospel. We've got to be able to send this money to our missionaries. We've got to be able to pay for gas for the buses. We've got to be able to, you know, we've got to be able to have a church where people can come. Are you with me? It, does, it doesn't take rocket. It's just everybody being obedient. Oh, to obey is better than sacrifice. I'm not asking anybody for a million dollars. Nobody here has a million dollars. That's fine. I'm not asking you to sell your house, your car, not even cashing your 401k. I'm just asking you to tithe. Just do what God said. That's it. That's it. You want to give more? Great. Praise the Lord. We'll take it. Wonderful. Sell a house. Give a little tax money. You know, give an inheritance. Fine. That comes like every now and then. Once a while, you'll have this really big thing. And you're like, wow, that's cool. But that doesn't do it. It's got to be everybody obeying God. There's no other way to do it. It's not cheap. You can't do what we're doing cheap. There's no cheap way. There's no easy way. There's no lazy way to reach the city for Christ. I like lazy, don't you? Lazy is great. I was lazy yesterday. Is that okay for my birthday to be lazy? I went to the nursing home, and I went to the college play, which, by the way, was phenomenal. I loved it. So glad I supported that. And I went to the, to the nursing home. But other than that, I just stuck, stuck a remote in my hand and just gave orders. Give me a drink. It's my birthday. I, I mean, I did say this, too. I said... I want a foot rub. It's my birthday. <laughs> and my wife gave me the most awesome foot rub you could ever imagine. Literally. 30 minutes. It was incredible. I was lazy. Lazy bum. I love it. <laughs> I wish I could do that more often. But you can't reach the city for Christ. You can't run a business like that. You can't run a church like that. You can't do anything successful without it costing you something. It costs you sleep. It'll, it'll, cost you, it'll cost you money. It'll cost you time. It costs. We've got to be willing to pay that price. I don't believe these men tore up. Think about it. They tore up a roof. And Jesus commended them for it. Way to go, guys. This is great. I love it. This is faith. You're like, man, I'll tell you what. Jesus messed up on that one. They had no right tearing that man's house up. Oh, really? Well, you know, I, I'm not so sure about that because I think Jesus was saying here that property is not as important as people. And sometimes we can get a little bit possessive about our property. By the way, before you get freaked out about the church, this is just a building. We can do this in a tent. We can do this in a house. We can do this in a field. We can do this anywhere. This is just a building. We vacuum the carpet. We get a few stains. We try to clean them up. We roll with the punches. It's not a big deal. And so they come through the house. But here's the key to it all. I'm convinced they counted the cost. Because what did scripture teach us about doing anything? Always count the cost. So can you see the little business meeting before? Hey, guys, listen. Uh, creativity says, we got to go through the roof. Courage says, oh, I like that. Confidence says, we can do it. Compassion says, this guy deserves it. And they say, okay, let's come up with a plan. Um, it's going to cost to fix that roof. We can't tear it up. It's going to cost us, guys. If we do this, it's going to cost us. How much you got in savings? I got some money. I got a couple thousand. I got this. I got that. Okay. Uh, let me call the guy. Takes his cell phone out. Hey, listen, bro. Um, I need to know. What's it going to cost to fix a roof? How big is it? Looks like about this. Yeah. Oh, we're good. We got it. We paid. We, we got it. Let's go. I believe the next day the, the roof crew was out to fix that roof. All to get one man. 
I'm mad. It's worth it. Because, let me tell you something, church. Get this, get this, get this. I don't have to play basketball on Sunday nights, James. It's not a command in heaven. But I like it. Guess what I'm doing this year? Johan Vadonage signed me up to be the pitcher for the softball team. Are you ready for this? I'm a good, listen, here, let me show you my stuff. Can everybody see? Here it is, ready? That's me. I'm good. I'm telling you, I can lay it right in there. He was, he was ecstatic. He goes, preacher, you think you can do it? I said, I think I can do it. I really need it, man. I need a little exercise. I love a baseball field, man. I love it. It's awesome. He's like, oh, man, it'd be great. We got a few practices. I'm like, I'll try to make them if I can. I might not be able to make very many, but I'll try, but I'll try to make as many games as I can. He goes, well, they're double headers. I'm like, double headers? Whoa. How much time? A couple hours. I'm like, whoa, okay, a couple hours. There is no command in the Bible that says I have to pitch softball. There's no command in the Bible. We freak out about these opportunities. We devote all this time to it, and we never pass out a track for Jesus. And that's a command. It's a command to spread the gospel. It's a command to tell people it is not optional. Pitching softball is optional. I'm doing it. And I'm excited about it. But it's not a command. Why are we so concerned about doing things that God says, really, when we get to heaven, won't matter. But I want you to have a good time on earth because I want you to have joy. So play ball and pitch ball and go to a movie every now and then and have a good time and go out to eat and Man, I'm all for it. Have a good time. But, but could I, is there any way you could grab about five or six invitations? Could you, I know you're busy. You got a lot going on. I mean, you got that pitching, Eric. Hope you do good. I'm going to help you strike people out. But I was wondering maybe if you could carve out, I mean, you got two hours for the, could you give me 30 minutes? This is crazy, isn't it? This sounds, man, I just want to fall on my face right now and say, God, forgive me. I'm just an idiot. God. Why am I doing all these things? And I'm not inviting people to come to you. What's wrong with me, God? You paid it all, and I can't even pay a small price. Would you forgive me? Thank you for this message, God. Thank you for this, this story in Scripture. This, this is amazing. If they're willing to get a guy to Jesus through a roof, I can get a guy in my car. It's like easy. It's no big deal. I can invite somebody, and if they don't come, they don't come. God, that's not my job. My job is just to invite them, and then you do the rest. It's really a cool deal. Hey, let's not forget this. And I put it at the bottom of your notes. Let's remember that the Bible says that one soul is worth more than the whole world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Oh, listen. What is God saying to you today? Could it be that he's just asking you to obey him? This little simple command. Go and tell the world. And we've got this city called Hot Springs, Arkansas. There's got to be somebody you know. At least one person that you've got on your heart that needs Jesus. I promise you, we will emphasize and preach the gospel so clear for the next couple of days the next couple of weeks we'll emphasize it we'll have it clean and clear and, and it's not so much that I'm I'm looking for results I'm really not honestly my job is not so much to save anybody my job is just to preach the gospel but we got to get them here to hear it 
how shall they hear without a preacher how how do they come without someone inviting them how will they know unless we tell them oh I, I pray that God will do something special I'm going to at the end of the service ask the ushers to be at every door I don't want to have any of these flyers left over we got a big box full I, I pray that we'll take 5 and 10 I'm not asking anybody you haven't heard me say 50 or 60 I've just said 5 or 10 or 50 just take a handful and just don't even do it in 30 minutes or an hour just do it as God says do it I promise you it'll work it'll happen I'm just asking you to consider it. This is a great season to invite people to church. This is a great time. People are more prone to say yes at this time of the year than any other time. Isn't that amazing? I don't want to let that blow by without taking advantage of the opportunity. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you've never been saved, you've never put your faith in Christ like this man did, by the way, real faith is faith with legs on it. A lot of people believe in Jesus but never get saved. The Bible says the devils believe and they tremble. I mean, just to say you believe, just to say you go to church is basically to say I'm right up there with the devils and demons. You gotta, you gotta put some legs to it. You, you gotta say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Take a step in the direction of faith. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus and say, Yes, yes. And then if we are saved, let's leave this building with a purpose, a purpose. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to preach and share my heart. And God, I'm convinced that this is not just a, a little homily or some sort of a little lesson. God, this is a state of the church address. This, God, is bigger than the final four. This is bigger than every coach's speech Monday night to his team. God, this is the great commission. This is our duty. This is our command. We don't have much time. The trumpet's going to sound maybe before the end of this service. Oh, God. Oh, God. Give us a burden for this area. Help us, Lord, to share it with somebody this week. The good news. Just the good news, even if it's just giving out an invitation. Father, give us that burden. Save souls, change lives, change me, God. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?